open with me to the book of James, chapter number one. James chapter number one. It's, it's quite enjoyable to sit here looking this way and watch the saints of the Lord worship God. Amen. And um, folks that I, I've never noticed before sitting on that side watching this way. But as you look this way and you see folks back there waving their hands unto the Lord, I say hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. The Bible said... Um, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And, and that word let means to give liberty unto them. Amen. It's, it's a command that, that, that to allow them to do that. Amen. And so the book of James chapter number one, and I'd like to preach um, this morning from James chapter number one, verse number one, God being my helper on Sundays, um, according to the leading of the Lord, I would like to preach through the book of James. And so let's have prayer. Heavenly Father, open our hearts this morning. I am fully dependent on you, and I'm certain that everyone here today is dependent on you. I am nothing, Lord, but I pray, God, that you will um, help all of us and, 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 and just use your word this morning and speak to us and touch every heart and life according to your will. Once again, I plead with you, Lord, for those that are not saved, that today they might see themselves a sinner in need of Jesus and that they falling down before you in repentance and faith might receive you as their savior. Lord, for those who, who are saved and struggling or, 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 or wayward this morning, Lord, would you, would you bring them back to yourself? And for, for those of us who are seeking to serve you, but yet daily we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil, would you give strength? God, would you touch us today? And, and bring glory unto yourself and help us in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. James chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And, and so these words here, notice it begins with a name, James. This is the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, or, or better yet said, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and James had the same mama, Mary. But we know that the blood that ran through our Lord's veins didn't come from Joseph, but it came from God. And that Mary did not know a man, that means she had no uh, physical intimate relationship with a man until after the birth of the Son of God. And although her and Joseph were married, they didn't know each other until after that birth, according to the word of God. Yes. But, but then after that birth, Mary had other children. And James was one of them, the half-brother of the Lord. So that's, that's who's writing this passage of scripture that we're reading this morning. And he said, James, but then, then notice how he identifies himself, a servant of God. Now, he didn't even identify himself as the servant of God. He didn't elevate himself. But James, a servant of God. He didn't identify himself as the brother of the son of God. He didn't put himself in, in any place higher or lower than you and I are supposed to be. Amen. But rather a place of equivalency. And as you study the meaning of this word servant, it, the biblical Greek word used here, it means a slave or a bondman or a man of servile condition. 
And so that's how James identified himself writing to us. James, a servant of God. James, a bondman of God. James, one that is in bonds to God. James, a man of servile condition unto God. That's how he's writing to us. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this passage of scripture here because this verse tells us that you can't, you can't just serve God and you can't just serve Jesus. If you serve Jesus, you have to serve God. If you serve God, you have to serve Jesus. The book of 1 John tells us about if you, if you know the Father, then you know the Son also. And if you don't know the Son, then you don't know the Father. John chapter 14, Jesus told his disciples, if you've seen the Father, or if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so we know that if we're going to serve the Lord, Jesus Christ, then we'll be serving God as well. They're not separate from each other. The book of 1 John chapter 5 teaches us there's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said, and these three are one in unity. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. I'd like to focus this morning on, on, the, on the words, a servant of God. Defined, as I said, as a slave, a bondman, or a man of servile condition. The KJV, the Bible, the word of God in English uses this word 120 times in the Bible. This exact word. Five times Moses is called a servant of God. First Chronicles chapter 6, verse 49. Second Chronicles 24, 9. Nehemiah 10, 29. Daniel 9, 11, And Revelation 15, 3. Somebody in the Bible being called a servant of God, it only took place seven times. Five of them were in reference to Moses. One of them was in reference to Paul. And one of them was in reference to James. So as I thought on that, we see in the word of God, not many people were truly called a servant of God. And it made me wonder how many people in our day can truly be called a servant of God. It made me wonder even deeper, can I be called a servant of God? And I hope that it would make you to wonder, can you be called a servant of God? Not just a servant, but a servant of God. The word of, as the Bible said in Proverbs 30 verse 5, every word of God is pure. That word of, it means on the behalf of. So if we're a servant of God, then on the behalf of God, we're a servant. This means that we surrender ourselves under the will of another. My friend, do you Submit yourself under the will of another? I ask myself the same. Do I submit myself under the will of another? Oh, many Christians are, who call themselves Christians, really they serve their own belly. Yep. Really they serve their own desire. Yep. Really they serve their own will. That's why when you say something from the word of God that they don't like, or that's why when you do something from the word of God that they don't like, they rebel, they fight it, they buck it, they resist it. Even the Lord Jesus Christ prayed and said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. 
A servant is one who gives himself up to the will of another. I read this testimony, or I heard this testimony some years ago. And as I was praying this week and considering this message and preparing, I couldn't get this testimony out of my mind of a gentleman named Johann Dober and another gentleman named David Nitschman. These gentlemen were from a a town in Germany called Hernhut, Germany. They were two Moravian brothers. The the Moravian people were from the Eastern Czech Republic. And, 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 And in 1732, these two men received a call from God to reach African slaves on the island of St. Croix and on the island of St. Thomas. When they set out to go there, they were told that they could not go. And so these two men sold themselves as slaves to go there and preach the gospel to these other slaves. And according to the reports and the testimonies of the people there at that time, as these gentlemen got on the boat and set sail for the West Indies, having sold themselves as slaves, this was their parting words. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his sufferings. These gentlemen sold themselves. They, they, they sold what they had and they gave to their families to survive and they left to go reach these people for the, gospel, for the gospel's sake. When I hear something like that, I hear of a servant. Yes. A person who genuinely sold themselves to the will of another. Can that be said of you and me? Has has my will, has your will been resided over to the Lord? You know what quite often happens when the word of God teaches something? People always say, well, yeah, but that means they're not submitted to the will of the Lord. That means they're not submitted to the word of the Lord. It goes both directions. Sometimes when people hear the word of God, they like it and they agree with it when it's to their interest. But sometimes people hear the word of God and it cuts them and it runs right into them. And you know what they do? They look for a way to change the word of God or to make the word of God not have said what it does say. Are you and I living as a true servant of the Lord? We're going to leave James for just a moment and go to the book of Romans chapter 1. Now, I preached from this verse in chapel this week in the college. So some of the students might hear me repeat myself for a few moments, but I have far more to say than just that. But I want to look at another Bible verse that identifies a servant of God. Romans chapter number one, verse number one, this is one of, this is one of the other only seven verses in the Bible that called a person a servant of God. Paul, verse number one, Paul, Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated 
unto the gospel of God. I see here in this, in this verse four things that identify the life of a servant of God. The first thing we see here is his name, Paul. But his name was not always Paul. His name used to be Saul. And Saul, he was, he was religious. He said in the book of Philippians that as concerning the law, he was blameless. That, that he's saying there that if you would have compared the life he had to the written text of the law, you would not have been able to blame him. He grew up under the feet of Gamaliel, a man who could from Genesis 1 to the end of the book of Deuteronomy just have began to quote the word of God to you. Yep. And he far would have been able to quote even more of the word of God. A man who spoke multiple languages and who was very smart. But a man who was lost. He was religious, but he was lost. He was not saved. Yep. He, he, he was there when Stephen, the martyr, was killed. And Stephen, so full of the Holy Ghost, he began to preach the word of God, beginning at Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Bible said that he preached with, with, with such power and such wisdom and with such anointing that those people were not able to resist the wisdom whereby he spoke. Those Jews there, they were cut in their heart. And you know, in the book of Acts, when, when the gospel was preached and people got convicted or cut in their heart, one of two things happened. They either got saved or they got mad and started to persecute the truth. All right. And so as, as Stephen preached in such power and anointing of the Holy Ghost, those Jews, they, they picked up a bunch of rocks and they began to stone Stephen. And that man full of the Holy Ghost, you know what he, he didn't say? He didn't respond like a bunch of us. Matter of fact, he didn't respond how I would have. He said, Lord, forgive them. Yep. He prayed for them. Amen. And he died yep. being stoned, calling on the Lord. And Paul stood right there. And, and the, the garments of Stephen laid at Paul's feet. He was involved in the murder of a servant of God. And Paul was convicted. The next, as you go into the chapter reading about where Paul was converted, it, or Saul, it said, and he was consenting unto his death. That means Saul agreed with martyring Stephen. He was part of it. He was consenting. Yes. And he got under conviction by the truth that Stephen preached. And as he got under conviction, he was breathing out cruelties and he was trying to haul people to prison and he was trying to persecute the church and the Lord appeared to Paul and said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. God was convicting and dealing with his heart. And as God was dealing with his heart, Paul fell down there on the Damascus road, Saul, and he got saved. And God changed his life, and, and before long, he's no longer called Saul, but he's called Paul. And we see here in Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, when he, when he says his name there, he's telling us that he got saved. Yes. He's a new person in Jesus Christ. He's not the old man that he used to be, but he's a new person. His birth name was Saul. 
But God started to call him Paul. If we're going to be a servant of God, it starts with salvation. Salvation doesn't come in the middle. It doesn't come at the end. It comes at the start. My friend, once again, I want to ask you today, are you saved? As we sang that song on the winning side, my soul inside of me wanted to explode because I remember the days of being in darkness. I remember when I was on my way to hell. I remember that night laying in the hospital with a bloody back and a wounded back from being stabbed and I could have died and went to hell. But God in his great mercy saved me a few years later and kept me out of hell. Salvation is real. Are you saved, my friend? If you're not saved, what are you waiting for? If you're not saved, would you come to Jesus today? Would you let him change everything? Just as he changed Paul's life, just as he changed my life, just as he changed a bunch of y'all's lives, he could change your life if you're not saved. But he said, Paul, he was saved. A servant of Jesus Christ. He had the heart of a servant. He was surrendered to the will of another. But as a servant, how did he live? We see the next two things. Called to be an apostle. He was surrendered. Oh, man, there's there's people who identify as Christians, but they have their shotguns of rebellion on God. And they are not going to give in. And when God is knocking on their heart and leading them to do something and is telling them they need to get right or make a change, they are not going to budge. Well, that's why they're not going to be a servant of God. That's why they're going to have the troubles that they always have. Because they're fighting God. As Stephen said that day to those Jews, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. My friend, the book of Hebrews would tell you today, if you would hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today, if he moves on your heart, surrender. Yield to him. What does it mean to yield? Just like as you're driving down the road and you come to where a sign says yield, it means that you give way to other traffic. Let's give way to God this morning. Let him have way in my life and in your life. Called to be an apostle, he was surrendered. There was a call, but he had to accept it. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Notice here he said, separated under the gospel of God. I hear a lot about I'm separated from this and I'm separated from that. And we ought to be separated from wicked things. God said very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Yep. Not saith the preacher, not saith the church, saith God. Yes, It's amazing when a preacher preaches that, they get mad at the preacher, but they won't say they got mad at God. God's the one that said it. The preacher's just the one that reminded you of it. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. We are to be separated from wickedness, but the Bible is much clearer than that. We're not just supposed to be separated from wickedness. We're to be separated unto God. And that's what Paul did. He separated unto something. 1 John 1, 5, we studied, we're going through 1 John on Wednesday nights. The Bible said God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You walk in a dark room and turn the light on, the darkness is gone. 
You step into the light and separate yourself under the light. You know what? The darkness is gone. When we separate it unto God, it'll automatically separate us from the dark. And, and again, it's God that said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. A servant. A servant. James, a servant of God. Paul, a servant of God. Five times, I told you the Bible verses, Moses is called a servant of God. Why was Moses called a servant of God? As we look at his life, we can see, first of all, he was meek. He was meek. Oh, we've all heard it. Meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. Yes. He was, Moses was mighty. He had power with God. Yeah. If Moses prayed for you to die, you better get things in order because you were going to die. Don't you remember the book of Numbers when Korah's family come against Moses and, and Moses said, well, we're going to see who God's chosen today. And he said, if I'm not called to the Lord, then the earth won't open its mouth and swallow you up and you won't drop into hell. And sure enough, Moses prayed. And you know what happened? The Bible said the earth began to shake and it clave open and the family of Korah fell into hell with their shoes on. Moses was a mighty man of God. But you know what made him a servant is how meek he was. As the children of Israel who were always fighting and complaining and bickering and just always had to make an argument or a problem about something, Moses, a constant headache of dealing with them, had the meekest spirit toward them. And as God came on the scene and said, Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy all of them. Moses stood in the middle and said, Lord, don't do that. Amen. Yep. He had a meek spirit. Amen. If we're going to be a servant of God, we need to have a meek spirit. Yes. Not only that, but he had a ministry. A ministry. This word ministry, it has a, a, a meaning in it of, 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 of giving of yourself. And Moses had a ministry. He had a speech problem. God was calling him to lead Israel. He said, God, I can't even talk. And, and he was arguing with God because he didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel worthy. And God told Moses, he said, fine, we'll get Aaron to speak for you. He said, he said, Aaron will be to you instead for a mouth. But this is what God said to Moses. He said, and you will be to Aaron instead for God. What does that mean? That when Moses spoke to Aaron, he was speaking to Aaron on behalf of God. Yep. He had a ministry. He had yielded his life to the Lord. But then I think about his maturity. His maturity. A long time ago, I heard a man stand in this pulpit when I was at Bible college, and he said, we say we're a servant, but how do we act when somebody treats us like one? Moses, his maturity, the way he was treated, he wasn't, that, that crowd that he was leading, they didn't treat him with the respect that he deserved. Yep. He dealt with constant strife and rebellion and issues. But he dealt with it in love and according to the word of God. He cared for those people. As you read through the life of Moses, you'll see over and over him standing in the way of God wanting to judge those people. Amen. And then I see what made him a servant the mercy of God. 
as Moses grew up in, there in Egypt and, and he saw the, that Egyptian um, striving with the, that Israeli man and he slew the Egyptian and, and then it became known to Pharaoh and Moses ended up fleeing into the desert and, and he had to go all the way to the backside of the desert where he met God. And he received a call from God in the backside of the desert. Are you going through a desert this morning, my friend? On the backside of that desert, you'll meet God. God didn't take you to the desert for no reason. Moses was there for 40 years. And in the backside of that desert, he met God in a burning bush. May I say this? Another thing you'll find about Moses was the modesty of his heart. He was a holy man. He was a godly man. He feared the Lord. But who made Moses' servant? God did. As God dealt with Moses and Moses obeyed God, God formed Moses into a servant that could be used. Look with me in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. This is what God would have you and I to be in. It's very clear from the passage of Scripture. I'm going to read 16 verses of Philippians chapter number 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. You know, it says let nothing be done through strife, and yet there's a lot of strife going on. You know what that means? Somebody ain't listening to God. Yep. Not supposed to say ain't. Somebody isn't listening to God. <laughs> let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. My friend, are we living selfishly, concerned about ourselves rather than others? This is what a servant does. They esteem another better than himself. Have we been wronged? Have we been hurt? Have we been defrauded? Have we been mistreated? Well, do we take it like a servant? Or do we fight? You don't find that written here. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Are we really concerned about other people? It's written right here in the word of God. All society and even churches sometimes will teach us to be focused on ourselves. That is not what the word of God said. A servant, his will is sold to the will of another. Jesus Christ bought you and me with his blood if you're saved. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The book of Corinthians said ye are bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. We're to be a servant of God. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do, Do we really want to be a Christian? Do we really want to be like Jesus? Well, this is how he thought about things. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There's a lot there. He was obedient. He humbled himself. He could have said, saying, I'm God, and, but that's not the spirit of the attitude in which he came. But he came as a servant. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, or wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This doesn't mean to work to be saved. It means if you've been saved, to work it out in your life where you live like you are. Yes, Yes. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God wants to work in you and me today to be a servant. Do all things, boy, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Probably every one of us need to be on the altar right now, amen? I know I don't do all things without murmuring and disputing. I know you don't either. But that's exactly what God said we're to be if we're a servant. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. James, a servant of God. I'm wondering this morning, can it be said, Josh, the servant of God? Put your name there. You, the servant of God. Is it true? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, mercies, and grace. Forgive our sins and cleanse our unrighteousness, Lord. And may nothing grieve the moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Lord, would you help me and us to be servants of the Lord? God, if there's anybody here today that's not saved, would you bring conviction on their heart that they might come to you and give you their heart and life, that they might believe the gospel and be saved. May the will of the Lord be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The altar's open if you need to talk to the Lord. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free silently now i wait for thee ready my god thy will to see 
to tell y'all to stand up. So um, um, this evening at uh, 445, there will be a deacons meeting in the prayer room. Uh, somebody asked me, why so many deacons meetings? Well, it's been a year of things needing to be done. And if we wait every month to talk to the deacons, we need like a four-hour deacons meeting. And, um, and we'd have to wait a long time to get things done. Okay. It's up in the regular meeting room, not the prayer room. Yeah, if we do it in the prayer room, people won't be able to pray. <laughs> All right, let's be dismissed in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for letting us be in the house of the Lord today. In Jesus' name I pray, go with us and bring us back tonight safely to glorify you and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.